Remember, the word of God is food for your soul. It's food for your spirit. That's what the word of God is. So if your spirit isn't awake, and if your spirit isn't aware, and if your spirit isn't attuned, and if your spirit isn't receptive to receiving the word, then what you'll get is a lot of intellectual information, but you won't be edified. That is to be fed by the word. Um, and so I, something that, and I know, you know, this is the read and rant. This is what we do every uh, weekday morning. We spend time in just reading the scripture because I believe it's the, it's the most important activity for any believer aside from just spending time in prayer. But if we're going to read the word, we have to read the word, receiving it as spiritual food. Uh, we have to read the word, receiving it as nourishment for your soul. And so, uh, Often what I do is when I read the word, I spend time just preparing myself to receive from God. Uh, Because if I get information, that doesn't lead to anything. Remember, the scriptures tell us that knowledge puffs up. So you can get puffed up in what you know in the Bible. But if you really want to like receive from God, I'm talking about like to be fed by him, to be nourished by him then we need to posture ourselves with a hunger. Our spirit needs to be awake. That's what I'll say there. Our our spirit needs to be awake to receive his word, to receive his food. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, maybe it's your first time here and you're wondering what we're doing is the reading rant. I'm going to spend about 20 minutes just reading through scripture and then we're going to spend another 20, 30 minutes reflecting on scripture. Um, but what else, the other thing that you may not know is, is that, um, uh, we now have a baby girl. She's two weeks old now. She's beautiful. She's amazing. I'm in love with her. Um, I love that little girl. Um, but she's got me up at 3 a.m. I've got the 3 a.m. shift. And so um, I'm coming right now from my, my 3 a.m. Uh, shift with the baby. But there's something that I learned today and I wanted to share before we read the word. And I think this is why it's so important that I'm, that I'm sharing these thoughts with you as we get into the word today. Um, so probably sometime around four in the morning. You know, she gets up, she starts crying and, you know, I pick her up and, you know, I soothe her, all that good stuff. And it's funny because, you know, as a parent, you you think, okay, there's there's very few things that a baby can be crying about. Either, you know, she's got a dirty diaper or uh, or she's hungry or she's gassy or uh, she's just tired and wants to go back to sleep. And I never understood why babies cry about being tired. Just shut your eyes and fall asleep. I just don't get that. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but Theo, our daughter, has this really, really bad habit right now. And I don't know how to break it because she's just two weeks old. But she has a bad habit of falling asleep while she's eating. Like She can't stay awake, which is frustrating because you know as she falls asleep, you know, you put her down in another like 15, 20 minutes. She gets up again, complaining about the fact that she's hungry. Um, And so this morning, what I've what I started doing is I started flicking her cheek, just flicked it. I'm like, mm, flicked her cheek. 
um, to wake her up. And so I'd flick her cheek, and then as soon as I flicked her cheek, she would wake up, and then she'd get back to, to eating again. Um, and you can't verbal probably. I can't, Jason. Stop doing that, all right? That's unfair, all right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but I learned something even this morning of the importance of our time in God's word through my time with my baby daughter is she's hungry, but she's also tired and she wants to sleep. And so in moments that she chooses sleep, she's, she's not aware enough or awake enough to receive what her body needs. And so I have to flicker, flicker, flicker and wake her up so that she can finish eating um, yes, I'm working on that. We're working on getting on a schedule right now. She's holding our entire household hostage. Okay. She's held our entire place hostage and she can do that because she's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. She's so beautiful. So she, 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 she does it with so much grace holding our entire house hostage with so much beauty and grace. Um, but that's to say we're still working on that. Um, my wife is already saying I'm 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 already beat. I'm I'm done. I've just gone completely soft for her. But I've I've learned that and, and I think this is important and this is the principle that I want you to understand as we read the word today. Okay. The principle that I want you to understand is is if you're not awake, you can't be fed. If you're not awake, you can't be fed. This is important. This is critical. And so as we get into the word, we have to put ourselves in a posture to receive. And these are the three questions we're asking. The three questions we're asking and what we're praying into so that the Lord can feed us into, that we would allow our spirits to be open and receptive to is, Lord, what are you revealing to us concerning yourself? What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing Second question, what is God revealing concerning people? And the third question is, what is God revealing concerning me? Okay, these are three questions we're going to be asking as we read. Today, we get to open up with numbers. Guys, we, we've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now we are in the book of Numbers. So we've read the whole New Testament, and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament and now we are in the book of Numbers. So if you're here for the first time, thanks for coming through. Um, we're here. We're here in the book of Numbers. So let's go ahead and let's turn our Bibles to Numbers chapter 1. And I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to be praying these things. Another thing I want to say real quickly is... is um, If you ever miss a read and rant, just follow the font everywhere on Facebook. The font everywhere... On Facebook, it's a private Facebook group, but it's a community of people. You can share prayer requests there. You can share your testimonies there. I'm always, li- I'm always on there, just listening and, and and seeing your testimonies and seeing your stories. And I see your prayer requests. I try to pray for as many as I can. There's some of you who share prayer requests on TikTok. I get too many messages on TikTok, but on our Facebook group, there there's a whole community of people who can pray with you as well. And so um, you can always catch the reading rants there as well if you ever miss one and you're and you're like oh. Oh my goodness, I missed, you know, Leviticus 27, 26 and 27. I want to go back. You can check it out. But it is it is an amazing group. It's an awesome group. I love the people there. You guys are just awesome people in that community. So I want to encourage you. 
um, to 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 join the Facebook group as well. Okay, and if you're new and you, you're trying to catch up, we also have the podcast, the Read and Rant podcast. So catch that as well. Um, I have belabored the time. It's already eight eighteen. Uh, I'm way over time right now. So let's get. Um, I know I started a little late. So um, let's get right to it. Uh, in Numbers chapter one, I want to pray, and I want you guys to open your spirit. We're not looking to be informed. We're desiring to be transformed. Father, I ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, as we read your word, Father, we are so limited in our awareness and our understanding. We're weak, but your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We are limited in our knowledge, but your ways are above our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts. And Father, we come before you, Lord, simply to receive from you, to be strengthened by you, to be empowered, to be convicted, to be um, corrected where we need correction, to conform, Lord, to your image and what you desire of us. Father, we ask that you would bless each and every person who's reading now along with us. Father, I just pray that you would um, do as you please. Have your way. Lord, as we read your word. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, let's do it. Let's get right to it. Uh, Numbers chapter one. And we're going to read verse one. You guys can read along with me. I'll probably only read maybe one or two chapters today um, simply because we don't, we're not afforded as much time. But um, let's see. Let's see where the Lord leads. Let's do it. Um, verse one. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt saying, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above all who are able to go to war in Israel. And with you, there shall be a man from every tribe, each one of the head of his father's house. These are the names of the men who shall stand with you from Reuben, Eliezer, the son of Shedder, from Simeon, Shelumiel, the son of Zerishaddai, from Judah, Nashon, the son of Aminadab, from Issachar, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, from Zebulon, Eliab, the son of Helon, from the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, Elishama, the son of Amihud, from Manasseh, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazer, from Benjamin, Abedin, the son of Gideonai, from Dan, Ahiezer, the son of Emishadai, from Asher, Pagiel, the son of Okran, from Gad, Eliasaf, the son of Darielel, from Naphtali, Ahir, the son of Anan. These were chosen from the congregation, leaders of their father's tribes, heads of the divisions of Israel. Then Moses and Aaron took these men who had been mentioned by name, And they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they recited their ancestry by families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, each one individually, 
and the Lord commanded Moses. So he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. Now the children of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, their genealogies by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Who, <clears throat> those who were numbered of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. From Simeon, from the children of Simeon, their genealogies by their families, by their father's houses, of those who were numbered according to the number of names, every man individually from 20 years and above, all who were able to go to war, those were numbered of the tribe of Simeon, were 59,300. From the children of God, their genealogies by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Gad, were 45,650. From the children of Judah, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. From the children of Issachar, their genealogies, by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. From the children of Zebulon, their genealogies by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Zebulon were 57,400. From the sons of Joseph, the children of Ephraim, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,500. From the children of Manasseh, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered by the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. From the children of Benjamin, their genealogies by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. From the children of Dan, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. From the children of Asher, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Asher, were 41,500. From the children of Naphtali, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Naphtali were 35,400. These are the ones who were numbered from Moses and Aaron numbered with the leaders of Israel, 12 men, each one representing his father's house. So all who were numbered in the children of Israel by their father's houses from 20 years old and above, who were able to go to war in Israel, all who were numbered were 603,000, sorry, were 603,550. 
but the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony, over all the furnishings, and over all things that belong to it. They carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they did. Numbers chapter 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Everyone of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard, beside the, beside the emblems of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. On the east side toward the rising sun, those of the standard of the forces of Judah shall camp according to their armies. And Nashon, the son of Amminadab, shall be the leader of the sons, uh, leader of the children of Judah. And his army was numbered 74,600. Those who camp next to him shall be of the tribe of Issachar. And Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, shall be the leader of the children of Issachar. Some people say Issachar. I say Issachar. Always. And his army was numbered 54,400. Then comes the tribe of Zebulon. And Eliab, the son of Helon, shall be the leader of the children of Zebulon. And his army was numbered 57,400. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Judah, 186,400. These shall break camp first. On the south side, there shall be a standard of forces with Reuben according to their armies. The leader of the children of Reuben shall be Eliezer, the son of Shadur. And his army was numbered at 46,500. Those who camp next to him shall be of the tribe of Simeon. The leader of the children of Simeon shall be Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai. And his army was numbered 59,300. Then comes the tribe of Gad. The leader of the children of Gad shall be Eliasaph, the son of Reuel. And his army was numbered at 45,650. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Reuben, 151,450. There shall be a second, there shall be the second to camp, or they shall be the second to camp, uh, to break camp. And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps as they camp. So they shall move out everyone in place by their standards. On the west side shall be the standard of the forces of Ephraim, according to their armies. And the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Amihud, 
and his army was numbered at 40,500. Next to him come the tribe of Manasseh. The leader of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, the son of Pedasur, and his army was numbered at 32,200. Then comes the tribe of Benjamin. The leader of the children of Benjamin shall be Abedan, the son of Gideonai. And his army was numbered at 35,400. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces with Ephraim, 108,100. Sorry, 108,100. They shall be the third to break camp. The standard of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side, according to their armies. The leader of the children of Dan shall be Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai. And his army was numbered at 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher. And the children of Asher shall be Pagiel, the son of Okran. And his army was numbered at 41,500. Then come the tribe of Naphtali. The leader of the children of Naphtali shall be Ahira, the son of Anan. And his army was numbered at 53,400. All who were numbered of the forces with Dan, 157,600. They shall break camp last with their standards. These are the ones who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses. All who were numbered according to their armies of the forces were six hundred and sorry, were six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus, the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards. And so they broke camp, each one by his family, according to their father's houses. Um, I'll read one more chapter. I'll read one more. I know I'm a little over time, but hang with me. I'm going to read one more. Numbers three. Now, these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron. Nabab, Nabad, the firstborn, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests whom he consecrated to minister as priests. Nabad and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered the profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as, ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron, the priest, that they may serve him. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Hmm. And they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons and they shall uh, and they are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now behold. 
I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine, because they are all the firstborn of mine. Oh, goodness. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. (sighs) Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, The number of children of Levi by their father's houses, by their families, you shall number every male from a month old and above. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. These were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, Kohath, and Mary. Sorry, Merari. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimei. And the sons of Kohath by their families, Amram, Esiar, Hebron, and Uziel. And the sons of Merari by their families, Mali and Mushi. And the families of the Levites by their father's houses. From Gershon came the family of the Libnites and the family of the Shemites. These were the families of the Gershonites. These were numbered according to the number of males from the first month and above. Of those who were numbered were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward. The leader of the father's house of the Gershonites was Elisaph, the son of Lyle. The duties of the children of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting included the tabernacle, the tent with his covering, and uh, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the court, the hangings of the court, and all around the tabernacle and the altar and their cords according to the work related to them. From Kohath came the family of the Amramites, the family of the Isarites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzielites. These were the family. Uh, these were the families of the Kohathites, according to the number of all the males from a month old and above. There were eight thousand six hundred keeping charge of the sanctuary. The families of the children of Kohath were to camp on the house side, sorry, on the south side of the tabernacle. And the leader of the father's houses of the families of the Kohathites were Elizaphan, the son of Uziel. Their duty included the ark the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered the screen and all the work related to them. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, who was a chief priest among the leader of the Levites with oversight of those who kept charge of the sanctuary. From Merari came the family of the Malites and the family of the Mushites, and they were the families of Merari. And those who were numbered according to the number of all the males a month old and above were 6,200. There's so much here. The leader of the father's house of the families of Merari were Ziriel, the son of Abihail. These were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle. And the appointed duty of the children of Merari included the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, its utensils, all the work related to them. And the pillars of the court all around with their sockets, their pegs, and their cords. Moreover, those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east before the tabernacle of meeting were Moses, Aaron, and his sons, 
keeping charge of the sanctuary to meet the needs of the children of Israel. But the outsider who came near was to be put to death. All who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord by their families, all the males from a month and above were 22,000. Then the Lord said to Moses, number all the firstborn. Hold on, let me highlight that. And the Lord said to Moses, number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and above and take the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites from me. I am the Lord. Instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn of the children of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males, according to the number of the names from a month old and above, and those who were numbered of them were 22,200. And 73. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock, the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel, there are, sorry, yeah, 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel who are more than the number of the Levites. You shall take five shekels for each one individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary and a shekel of 20 geras. And you shall give the money with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the children of Israel, he took the money. 1,365 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And we're going to stop right here. Hmm. Um, there's there's a lot to unpack here, and it's not my intention is to unpack. Um, I was just about to check to see if Ellison was here, um, and yes, the the reason why it's called numbers is because there's a lot of numbers. <laughs> um, there's a lot of numbers in the book of Numbers. Um, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, and you guys can read. I mean, this is this is just a reading of scripture. And for those of you who are here for the first time, this is what we do. We devote this time to the reading of the word um, to hear from God. And the three questions that we're asking from God is what is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? These are the things I want you praying about as you read the scriptures. I want to talk a little bit about the book of Numbers today. Uh, and I hope, and I hope, um, I hope you can be encouraged by this, okay? Um, because there's so much to be encouraged by as we read this. But let me give a quick background here. We've been reading through the Old Testament. We've been reading through the Mosaic Law. When we read, when we read through the book of Genesis, right, we see God who instituted all things through his creation, 
right? Mankind sinned, um, adulterated what God created, causing sin to come into the world, which led to all the pain, the brokenness that we that we see transpiring immediately after, from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel to then nations of people who were at odds with each other. Um, there was a lot of disease. There was disease. There was pestilence. There was um, pain. There was suffering. Death came as a result of sin. And then when we get to the middle of the book of Genesis, we see a we see a man who by faith made a covenant with God. God chose Abraham. Abraham responded by faith. And through that act of faith, Abraham, who was a pagan man, but heard from the voice of God, became the man who was now chosen to father many nations. And God told Abraham that through his family, through his bloodline, all nations would be restored back to him. That this family would bring righteousness and justice to the world. That God's government would be instituted once more. Eden would be restored through Abraham's family. Abraham has Isaac. This is Genesis. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has Israel. And Jacob becomes Israel. And now Israel has 12 sons. And these 12 sons go to Egypt. They spend too much time in Egypt and they're in bondage. So now we go from Genesis to Exodus. In Exodus, they were in bondage for the centuries that they spent in Egypt. And from becoming a family of just under 100, they became a nation of thousands. They became a nation of people. We're talking about centuries here. We're talking about generations later. And so Moses was called, uh, Moses was called to deliver and to draw these people out um, of bondage. And so in their deliverance now begins the Exodus, where they leave Egypt to go to the land that was promised to them. Mm -hmm. And so now they're going to the land that was promised to them. And as they go through the wilderness, remember, between the land that was promised to them and Egypt was the wilderness. And so now they go, and as they're navigating through the wilderness, they stop at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, okay, at Mount Sinai, a covenant was made between Abraham's children, who are the children of Israel, and God. The same promise that God gave to Abraham, he's now bringing into fruition to the children of Israel. All these people now are all the children of Abraham, who are the children of Isaac and the children of Jacob. Remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and now they're the children of Israel. And so this nation stands at the mountain, and at this mountain, they reinstitute the covenant with God to be the very thing that God had called Abraham's children to be, which is a nation of priests to be a nation of priests that would bring the kingdom of God to earth to show the world what God was like. They would be a people and a family set apart from all human beings, set apart to reinstitute the, um, the kingdom of God. And so this reconciliation was happening in that moment as the covenant was being made. And in that covenant came a law. And this law 
was what would govern the people to shape them out to become the people who God was calling them to be. The purpose of the law was actually to shape them into becoming the priests that they ought to be. And remember what priests are. Priests are the mediators that stand in between God and man. So the priest would represent man to God and the priest would represent God to man. They stood in the middle as mediators. And so in order to be shaped into becoming the priest, the law was given to them. Notice the law wasn't given to us. Okay. It wasn't given to Christians. Okay. It was given to them. And what did they do? They broke the covenant. And so in Exodus, we see a covenant that is broken, that even though God promised to be with them in their obedience of the covenant, God cannot be with them if they're going to be unholy and unrighteous people. The book of Leviticus is about how these un, how God within the law created a way for them to go back into the presence of God. The, the, the book of Leviticus was about the institution of the atonement, the blood sacrifice that would allow an unholy, unrighteous people who break the law and cannot fulfill the law to be to enter back into the presence of God. And so that's what we see fulfilled in Leviticus. Leviticus opened up with the people, even though knowing that the presence of God was there, but could not experience and enter into the presence of God. Leviticus opens with, with Moses not even being able to step into the tent. And so the priests and even the priests that were set aside, remember there were priests that came in with what the scriptures call strange fire. And we'll get to that in a minute. And because they came in with strange fire, that is fire that came from outside the tabernacle, they were destroyed because the presence of God requires us to submit to the holiness and the righteousness of God. They did not. And so as a result of that, they were consumed by fire. That is the presence of God can be healing and the presence of God can also be destructive for those who are not holy. And yet God gave access that even though we are unholy, unrighteous people, there's a way back in. The way back in is to have a priest perform a sacrifice to atone for your sins. And so Leviticus began with them not being able to enter into the presence of God. Leviticus ends with them now in the presence of God, where God is with them. And the, and the image of the presence of God was the tabernacle. These people stayed at Mount Sinai until they got the atonement. They got all of that together. Let me pause real quick here. Let me pause real quick because I, I need you to understand this. Okay. Remember in Exodus, God promised them the land flowing with milk and honey. He promised them um, the land that was theirs. He promised them Canaan. He said, go to the land that I'd promised you. But he said, but I will not go with you because they were such a um, 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 impetuous people. That was the word. They, they, they were such a disobedient people. They were hard-headed people. And because they were hard-headed people, God said, you guys can go. I'm going to give you the blessings, but my presence won't go with you. And Moses declared even in that moment as he prayed to God, I believe in Genesis 33, sorry, in Exodus 33, he prayed to God and he said to God, we will not leave this mountain unless your presence goes with us. Did you hear me? Moses said, we will not leave this mountain unless your presence goes with us. 
the lesson here, family, is that we should not seek after the blessings of God without desiring the presence of God. Because without the presence of God, the blessings of God do not matter. You can get the car and you can get the clothes and you can get the job and you can get the money and you can get all this stuff. But even if you get all this stuff, if you don't have the presence of God, you have nothing. That's why there are people who will have joy in a Toyota Corolla, but be suicidal and depressed in a Ferrari. That's why there are people who don't have much money, but they're still happy. And there are millionaires and billionaires who aren't happy. This is why there are people who may not have much, but are content and at peace in life. But those who have much can't ever find peace. The very things that everybody aspires to have, all the blessings of God, they get the blessings of God, but they don't have the presence of God. And because they don't have the presence of God, they find themselves lost. We are nothing without the presence of God. And yet this is what Moses was saying. He would stay at Mount Sinai with the children of Israel. We will stay here until we have your presence. If your presence does not go with us, we will stay there. And so Moses then said, and, then, and that's when God said, then my presence will go with you. You see, they were going to stay at Mount Sinai until they had the presence. And yet when Exodus ends, it ends with God being present, but with them not having access, access to it. God um, instituted the building of the tabernacle and what the tabernacle represented was the very presence of God among the people. And so the tabernacle is built, but Moses cannot enter the tabernacle. And so Leviticus now is the book about how these people can now enter into the presence of God again. And so after all the time that's transpired in Leviticus, while they're at Mount Sinai, Leviticus happened at Mount Sinai. While they were at Mount Sinai, estimated to be almost a year, about a year, maybe over a year, but somewhere around a year that they spent at Mount Sinai, they were being given a law that would give an unrighteous, unholy people who sin and make mistakes back into the presence of God because they could not leave the mountain without the presence. <laughs> they couldn't leave the mountain without the presence. There's a promise, but they couldn't go to the promise without the presence. Are you hearing me here, family? They couldn't go to the promise without the presence. And yet the access to the presence was the sacrifice of the blood. Okay. I had to, I had to bring all this into context for you. Because now we get into numbers and in numbers, they have been now given the presence of God. God is with them. Okay. God is with them. And because God is with them now, they can now leave the mountain. And here in this text in numbers, what we're reading is, is we're reading a people who are getting prepared to leave Mount Sinai and to finally move towards the promise that was given to them. Did you hear that family? Now they're getting ready to leave Mount Sinai because now that they have the presence of God, 
They were they they will not leave Mount Sinai to go to the promise of God. And so Ellison is right. Ellison says there's a lot of numbers. The reason why there's a lot of numbers is because they are running a census. A census is simply a count of all the people. As they leave, they wanted to know what they had with them and who they had. And so they counted all the people now that they have the presence. They've been the atonement. They have the presence. Now they're getting ready to go to the land that was promised to them. And so notice in Numbers chapter 1 that this count is a specific type of count. He's counting all the people, but he's counting a specific type of person. What is he counting? He's counting. Notice in verse 3, Numbers chapter 1, verse 3, or verse 2. He says, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their father's houses, according to the number of names. Notice who he's counting, though. It says every male individually from 20 years old and above who are able to go to war in Israel. You and Aaron shall number them by their armies. Did y'all hear that? The census was not the kind of census that we have, where the census was a census of, you know, um, the number of men, women, children, age groups, demographics, all that stuff. That wasn't the census that was being counted here. This is a military census. The beginning of numbers doesn't start with a population census. The book of numbers starts with a military census. Why would he perform a military census? Are you hearing me here, family? Why would he perform a military census? Unless the reason why he's counting those who are capable to fight in battle because there's an expectation and an anticipation that there will be battles, (laughs) that there's going to be a war, that they have to prepare themselves to fight. All the children that are being counted is actually an army that they're counting to know what they have for a war that they're about to fight, for battles that they're about to fight. They're going back to Canaan that will be called the land of Israel. And even though the land is promised to them, it won't be given to them. Ooh, I feel like preaching. (laughs) I'm going to try to hold myself back. The things that are promised to you are often not given to you, family. Let me say that one more time. The things that are promised to you are often not given to you. God promises you victory. He promises you these things, but they're not going to be handed to you. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to pursue after it. You're going to have to chase after it. There's going to be resistance against the things. You know, it's always funny to me when God promises people some things and then they get confused that they face resistance. 
as if resistance wasn't something that you would encounter when God promises you something. No, when God promises you something, he promises you that you're going to gain victory in the thing that he's promising you towards, but God does not promise you that there won't be any battles. No, there will be battles. You will face conflict. There will be people who will be against what you are for. There will be people who will not uh, who will go against what God is promising you. You will not get the promise without having some form of resistance. You will face resistance. That's why if God promised you a business or if God promised you a child or if God promised you certain things, there are those of us that are waiting for it to be handed to us. No, when God promises us things, he's giving us the confidence to persevere into what he's promised us because when we face those battles, we know how it's going to end. Yes, he called you to start that initiative. Yes, he called you to start that nonprofit. Yes, he called you to start that business. And yes, he called you into this marriage. And yes, just because God promised you the marriage doesn't mean the marriage is going to be easy. You're going to have to fight for your marriage. Just because he promised you that business doesn't mean it ain't going to come without people who are going to look to tear it down. Just because God promised you a platform doesn't mean that there won't be people who will come after you to tear your platform down. Just because God promises you these things does not mean that there won't be resistance. And yet that's the unfortunate travesty for many believers is they think that the moment that they face resistance is the moment that God must have not promised it. If God promised me this marriage, then why is this marriage so hard? Or if God promised me this business, why is it so hard to get it kicked off? If God promised me um, this nonprofit, why is it that I can't get people to get on board and people are coming against me? If God promised me this ministry, why am I facing so much opposition? You're facing opposition because God promised it. Family, do not confuse resistance with a lack of promise. Your promise comes with resistance. Moses is getting ready to leave Mount Sinai to go to the land that is promised. But what is he counting? He's counting how big his army is. He wants to know how big his army is. So numbers one and numbers two He's counting his army because he knows we're going to have to fight for what God promised. If God promised you your marriage, fight for it. If God promised you children, fight for it. If God promised you a ministry, fight for it. If God promised you these things, fight for it. Run your census. Fight for it. God didn't promise there wouldn't be a battle. He just promised there would be victory. And so he runs a census. He runs a census. And then if you look in the text, at the end of chapter 2, He says, these are the ones who will number the children of Israel by their father's houses. After he's run the census of the army, he knows how big his army is. And after he's counted all of it, Ellison, how many, how many in total was it? In in verse 32, Ellison, he says that there were 603,550. 
That's a big army. That's a big army. 603,550. I'm going to ask you that later, Ellison. By the way, I have my boys. I've asked my boys to be in the read and rant along with me. And so um, I want them attending as well because they need to learn. <laughs> and I want them to read with me. Um, that's a big army. And now this army is getting ready to leave. But before they leave, God has one more thing to do. Because remember, they are not going to leave and go to a fight without the presence of God. They're not going to fight without the presence. They're not going to cross into the promised land without the presence. They're not going to enter into this thing without the presence. They are going to need the presence. And the one thing that has not yet been addressed, they got the big army now, but what has not been addressed yet is how do we bring the presence with us? How do we bring the presence with us? Here's the thing, family. Everybody just heard fight for my marriage. Yes, fight for your marriage. Fight for your family. Yes, fight for your family. Fight for your calling. Yes, fight for your calling. Fight for your destiny. Yes, fight for your destiny. But don't fight without the presence. Don't fight without the presence. And now that they have the armies, what they don't have yet is how they carry the presence with them. And so what does God do? God says, I'm going to set a family aside. I'm going to set a tribe aside that will carry the presence for you. Remember that he had called the sons of uh, of Moses. The scriptures tell us in Numbers chapter 3, if you look there, in verse, verse 2, it tells the names of the sons, um, sorry, the sons of Aaron who were called. The sons of Aaron were Nabat, N- sorry, Nadab, then there was Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. But remember what we read at the beginning of Leviticus. Nadab and Abihu had died because they brought strange fire. Remember what I meant? Remember what the word strange was? The word strange meant profane. Profane does not mean bad. That's what we've we've turned. When we talk about profanity or profane, people define profane as bad. No, that's not what actually profane means. In the Greek, sorry, in the Hebrew, the word profane meant outside of the temple. So anything outside of the temple was considered profane. Okay? Outside of the presence was considered profane. So profanity, anything that's profane is or anything that is strange is anything outside of the presence. And what they brought was they brought profane fire. They brought fire from outside of the tabernacle into the tabernacle. When the tabernacle had its own fire. 
It's a lesson for us. Let's stop bringing profanity into the into the body. But rather, the body has its light in and of itself. That's another conversation for another day. And yet they were consumed by the presence of God and by the fire of God. And so they were gone. Now there aren't enough people. Okay. We look at a bee who had died before the Lord and they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness. They had no children. So because they were gone, they had no children. And so because they had no children, the scripture tells us, so Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. So he had two guys, but he doesn't have a family of people. Because the administration of the presence of God could not be done by just two people. The temple represented the presence of God. And because the temple represented the presence of God, they could not, two guys could not carry the presence. And so he calls a tribe, the tribe of Levites. And in verse five, in verse six, he says, bring the tribe of Levi near. Numbers 3, verse 6. Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. Now, because Aaron doesn't have a family who's going to assist, who's going to carry the tabernacle, who's going to carry the presence. We have an army, but we need priests. We have warriors, but where are the priests? Who will carry the presence because the presence is what's going to bring the victory. We don't have them. And so he calls a tribe to serve. <laughs> they become the priests, not by blood. They become the priests by choice. In Numbers 3, that's where I'm at now. They become the priests by choice. By whose choice? God's choice. God chose them. It wasn't because they were pure. It wasn't because they were right. It wasn't because they had it all together. It wasn't because of their dad. Because if you learned about Levi, you would learn the kind of person Levi was. Levi would not be the kind of person that you would call to represent priests. Levi wasn't the guy. He was not the guy. And yet Levi's children are now being called to be the tribe and the family of priests. Woo. They're not families of priests because of their father. They're not families of priests because of, of, uh, of the generations before them. They're not families of priests because of the reputation of their father. They're not, they're not families of priests because daddy had it all together because daddy was a pastor. I'm a pastor. They were fed. No, their dad was nothing even close. He wasn't the kind of person you would call. He wasn't the kind of person that you would say your family will be a family of priests. But in that moment where there was a void, God called a people not by reputation, but simply by availability. He calls them to now be the priests that would carry the presence of God. <laughs> I'm closing because I know I'm over time. I'm over time. I know it's a lot, but I'm over time. The Levites were called to be the priests. And that's what he says. He says, and you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons in verse 9, 
and you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. He's saying, they're now the priests. I have made them priests, not because of their the way they live or, or not because of their reputation or not because, you know, they were the good ones. The Levites, they were the good ones. They were the good tribe. It wasn't because of any of that. It was simply the favor of God over them. And then in verse 12, he says, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel. And notice what he says. Instead of every firstborn, oh my goodness. Instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel, therefore the Levites shall be mine because all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified myself all the firstborn of Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. He says, all the first, remember, from before, the military said, remember, he called the firstborn his, the firstborn of the animals, the firstborn. There was certain distinction made to the firstborn. But for the Levites, he says, all of them will be mine. He's made all of them the firstborn. He made all the Levites the firstborn by simply the declaration of the Lord he says that they're all the firstborn and he says they shall be mine and he further continues to articulate this family when God the firstborn is not about the order of birth to God. The firstborn to God is who God chooses. God chose them to be the nation of priests. He chose them to be the nation that would carry the presence of God. He chose them they were chosen to carry the presence of God. And as I read this, I'm being reminded, you know, we got the cheat code, y'all. I'm being reminded in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he says that we were a chosen generation, that we are the royal priesthood. Notice what made us priests, what made us priests and what made us the firstborn and what made us chosen had nothing to do with our reputation. There's not one righteous person in here. There isn't one good person in here. There isn't one person that has it all together. There isn't one person. What made you chosen was that God chose you. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you. Before all things, he chose you. And he didn't choose you simply so that you can have a nice car, a nice home, and a spouse, and a husband. And for, He chose you so that you could represent him. He chose you so that you can be Become the nation of priests. He chose you and called you his by his name. Not because of culture, not because of society. God has a way of choosing the people that nobody would choose. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, the funny thing about it is, is that in 1 Peter chapter 2, he tells us 
that you were rejected by man. These rejected people were people who were chosen by God. Funny how the people that God loves to choose are the people that everybody rejects. Up to this point, Levi would probably be the last person to be considered the father of a nation of priests. And yet here we are. That through the fall of Aaron's sons comes an opportunity for the tribes of Levi. Family, you are chosen. You are chosen by God. Unexpecting priests. Chosen by God. So now, wherever you go, you carry the presence. Notice the job that they were given. Unlike the others, their job was to simply carry the tabernacle. That was their job. To administer the presence of God. That was their calling. They weren't going to go fight. They weren't doing any of that. They were there to carry the presence. And I wonder for us who are now called as a nation of priests by faith, the church of God is a nation of priests. For, for, for those of us who are called to be a nation of priests, how often do we prioritize the presence of God over weapons, over strategy? How often do we fall into what the other warriors around us do, fighting through the challenges of life? Not realizing that there are people around us right now who need us to be the presence. Who need us to carry the presence. Remember what Jesus said, and I'm closing. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is in you. (laughs) The kingdom of God is in you. The scriptures say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm encouraged today, family, because wherever the Lord takes me, I know that he is with me. And be encouraged because wherever God takes you, he is with you. God bless you, family. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for uh, encouraging us in this time in your word. Lord, as we read through the book of Numbers, Father, we're we're beginning to see, Lord, uh, a shift in your people. They're about to leave the mountain, Lord, to navigate into the promised land. See them getting up to leave, and yet... Lord, you called a specific people to carry the presence. Lord, teach us to be those people that can carry the presence, Father. As I read this and I'm, I'm, I'm being convicted about even all the things that are going on in the world right now, with all the tumult, with all the, just with everything that's going on, Father. Lord, I'm being convicted even in this moment. Am I, am I carrying your presence? Am I carrying your presence even now? Am I carrying your presence on on social media? Am I carrying your presence uh, in this city? Am I carrying this? Pre- Am I carrying your presence in my nation? I, I, I'm 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 asking that question. 
And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would use each and every one of us to carry your presence. For we know that we've been chosen by you to be the royal priesthood, been chosen by you, Lord God, to be agents of your presence. So bless us today, Father, as we navigate through this day, Lord. Give us peace where we need peace. And, and Lord, restore where, where it needs restoration. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen.